Okay. All right, one time Jesus was walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry. So they were plucking heads of grain off of the plants, and they were eating them. So what you would do is you could pluck the gra- grain is what you use to make wheat, which we use to make bread. Right now, they couldn't make just bread in their hands just by pulling off the grain heads. But you can, you can, I don't know if it would be all that good, but you know, I guess if you're hungry, you can just pluck some grain and you can like rub off the, the, the uh, thing that's on it and then you can eat it. And that's what they were doing. And the Pharisees were mad. They're like, look what your disciples are doing. They're working on the Sabbath. Because to the Pharisees, if you're holding this thing in your hand and you're doing it like that, that's working. They're very obsessed with very strict laws that they've interpreted in certain ways about not working. So Jesus said to them, haven't you read about how David, when he was hungry, with those who were with him, how they entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests? And he's pointing out that the laws, such such as the ceremonial law about the Sabbath and the ones about the bread of the presence in the temple, were there in general, they were there as pictures of Jesus and they weren't there to control people. They were there to help people. So when they start not helping people and are just a thing to follow for themselves, that wasn't ever really the point. And he says something similar. He said, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. He means himself. He said, he, mean, he means that those laws were pictures of Jesus and Jesus is here now. And Jesus is greater than David and Jesus is greater than the temple And the ceremonial laws are done away with in him because he's the true rest that they were a picture of. Then he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's a quote from the Old Testament. He says, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you wouldn't have condemned people who are guiltless. For, he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So those those, uh, laws were about Jesus and he's in charge of them. They are not in charge of him. So then that continues this whole kind of dispute about the Sabbath because he goes to a synagogue and there's a guy with a withered hand there. His hand's all messed up, doesn't work. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because they wanted to have something to accuse him with. So he said to them, so he, yeah. So he said to them, if one of you had a sheep and the sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not hold, take hold of it and, and lift it out? And how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And so then he healed the man, and the Pharisees were so angry, they, they started to conspire to kill him. Now, what Jesus did there was quite clever, in that when he said, if you have a sheep and it falls into a pit, won't you go and take it out? Well, he's referencing a law. So they're saying, ooh, in the law of Moses, it says that you can't work on the Sabbath. But Jesus is pointing out, you know, in the law of Moses, there's also a law that says that if your neighbor's animal falls into a pit, you should take it out, even if it's on the Sabbath, to rescue it. Because saving the life of your neighbor's property and keeping the seventh commandment in that way is more important than resting. Because the law about resting isn't meant to keep you from helping your neighbor. But notice that Jesus doesn't say, when he quotes it, he doesn't say if your neighbor's sheep, he says if your sheep, because he knows perfectly well that if their neighbor's sheep fell into a pit, they would use the law about not working on the Sabbath to ignore their neighbor's need. But if it was their own sheep that fell in, then they would get it in a second and say that they can't let this thing die. 
And so he's pointing out their hypocrisy and their sinfulness and their pride and their laziness and also the way that they were only picking and choosing which parts of the law they actually wanted to follow to do whatever suited them and whatever they wanted. But he, on the other hand, is the fulfillment of the Sabbath and the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, he knew that they were trying to kill him, so he withdrew because it wasn't time. Withdrew means he left. He went to a different place. He knew it wasn't time to die yet. Does he have a friend named Drew? He does. Andrew. Yeah. Is one of his disciples. <laughs> Anybody that you know named Drew, that's short for Andrew, and that name comes from Andrew in the Bible, who's one of the disciples. He is the brother of who does anybody know whose brother Andrew is? He's the brother of his brother of is somebody. his brother is another one of the disciples and he's much more famous than Andrew is. Um, in fact, I don't think Andrew ever says anything in the entire gospels. I can't No. No, um, it's not Peter. It is Peter. It's Peter? Yeah. I, I just James and John, Peter and Andrew. So the first four disciples that it mentions him calling yeah. are two sets of brothers who are maybe cousins. They have a fishing business together with their dads. James and John, Peter and Andrew. And apparently Andrew is just kind of the odd man out because of those four, it's James, John, and Peter who are always the three that go with Jesus to like special things. But Andrew gets left behind with the other disciples. <laughs> Poor Andrew. <laughs> Bye-bye. And I, I could be wrong, but I can't remember a, a single a single example of Andrew like saying anything. You know, we get Philip, we get Nathaniel, we get Thomas, we get Judas. Not the other Judas, though. There's two Judases. One's the bad Judas and one's the good Judas. But I don't think the good Judas ever says anything. I don't think James the Lesser ever says anything. So there's James, who's the brother of John. And he says things... Well, the thing, whenever he says them, it's always, like, together with John. He doesn't really, like, say things on his own. But there's one time where James and John come up to Jesus yeah, and are like, like, hey, you want us to, like, kill those guys for you? And Jesus is like, bro, no. Like, so, like, it's either... John's talking and James is backing him up or James is talking. Or maybe they're just saying it in unison. No, that's friend of yours. <laughs> James and John are brothers. Anyway, so he left the area because he knew it wasn't time. And he, uh, a lot of people followed him and he healed them. And this was to fulfill what the prophet had said about how he would uh, put, how God would put his spirit upon the Messiah and he would proclaim justice to the Gentiles and that he would faithfully bring forth justice and he wouldn't break a bruised reed, meaning when somebody had a small faith, a weak Dad. faith, he wouldn't destroy it. He would nurture it. Yes, Samara. Um, justice is from Timmy's. He was a good That's guy. true, yeah. All right, now, after that, a demon-possessed man came. Now, remember I told you before about one time when Jesus, when there was a demon, and then Jesus said, the Pharisees said, he's casting out demons by the power of the devil. Actually, that wasn't that time that they said that. This, this is the time that they said that. Or maybe they said it both times. And uh, the, when the people saw Jesus casting out the demon, they're like, is this the son of David? That means the Messiah. And the Pharisees said, no, nah, it's only by the power of Beelzebul, which is a name for a demon. It basically means like Lord of the Flies or like Lord of the Dung Heap or something weird like that. It's like a weird name. But they're using it to refer to the devil. And that's when Jesus said, 
that wouldn't make any sense. The devil wouldn't fight against the devil. That he'd be divided against himself. He couldn't win. And then Jesus tells an important little story about what's actually happening. All right, this is a little parable he tells. Here's the story. There's a man. He's a strong man, and he has a house filled with things. No one can take his things from him. He's armed. He's strong. He guards his house. But then someone else comes along who is stronger than the strong man. And he takes away the strong man's armor in which he trusted. And he binds the strong man and ties him up. And then he steals everything out of his house. In this story, Jesus is the thief. True. The well, devil is the strong man, and the and then back. we were like the things that were in his house that he kept. Stealing us back. Yeah, because the devil had the power of sin no. and, the de- and, no. and death. And then no. Jesus came and took away the devil's armor in which he trusted and destroyed his power. The armor in which he trusted was sin and death. And Jesus destroyed that by his death on the cross and by his resurrection in order to plunder his house and take away all those things. But then Jesus points out something else. He said, you guys claim... That when I cast out demons, I do so by the devil. And when you do that, you are blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit that has filled me, that the Father poured out on me, is not an unclean spirit. It's not a demon. I'm not, I don't have a demon. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you call the Holy Spirit a demon and blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, y'all better check yourselves before you wreck yourselves. Because the Holy Spirit is the only way that a person can come to faith. And so if you call the Holy Spirit a demon, well, then who's going to bring you to faith? No one. Because it's only the Holy Spirit who can do that, who can bring us to faith, have our sins forgiven through Jesus.